Hello, welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Secure Talk. Brought to you by Adequest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. My name is Mark Schreiner, and I'm going to be your host for this episode of Secure Talk. And today we're going to do something very special. We are actually going to take you through a role play exercise with some of the cybersecurity experts at Adequest. And we're going to kind of take you, walk you through the typical process of what a company or the conversation a company might have with some cybersecurity experts to under, understand maybe what gaps they might have, um, give them some ideas in terms of, of some, some protections they may want to implement. And, you know, a, a typical process might go on for a couple meetings and involve several emails. We're going to kind of condense that down and, and maybe take you through a kind of a 30-minute uh, example or role play. Before we get started, though, I'd like to take a couple minutes um, and just introduce my uh, colleagues from Adequest who will be participating in the call um, and maybe give you your name, your title, and a little bit about your background in the context of your cybersecurity expertise or role or experience. Um, over to you guys. Who's, who's on the call? I'm Paul Johnson. My main focus is on GDPR compliance and security. So. Excellent. And GDPR, for people who don't know, is the general data protection regulations that um, come out of the EU and govern how companies treat data that relates to EU residents and how companies protect that data. Next. Hi, I'm Christoph Kohl. I'm solution architect for AdaQuest, and I'm most likely uh, specialized uh, on uh, cloud migration, Office 365, and um, uh, Office 365 Security Tune-Up. Okay, thank you, Christoph. And next. And I'm Dave Duplin. I'm also a security solution architect, uh, but I focus on um, CISO for hire type uh, support opportunities. Excellent. And, and this, yes. And this is Hiram Machado. Uh, and, uh, at AdaQuest, I focus on conversations with uh, strategic conversations about cybersecurity with our clients. Excellent. Well, hey guys, thank you, thank you for introducing yourself, and thank you for taking time to um, to join our program today. Um, why don't we just get started? I'm going to jump into character. I am playing a newly appointed uh, CISO or CTO or CIO type person. Um, I've just joined my organization. Um, I've been on board, you know, less than a less than a couple months. It's a mid-sized organization. I've got uh, about a thousand pe people or colleagues that I that I work with. Um, I'm responsible for maintaining the integrity and security of our IT infrastructure. Um, we have offices in several locations around the U.S. We have an office in uh, a couple uh, European cities as well. And I I have a couple of issues. One is um, I, I have identified some challenges, which is, for example, I, I, there are no, there's no existing documentation for what type of uh, hardware or even uh, what type of data we have. 
Uh, but I, I, I understand that I need to get to work on that. I could probably use some ideas or assistance. Um, I, I also have uh, an idea of, of things that I, you know, maybe I don't know. For example, I just mentioned the hardware. I don't actually know what hardware that I've inherited. Um, but then I, but then there's some unknown unknowns. I mean, there are probably some issues out there that I don't even know that I, or I'm not even aware of that I need to address. And I'm really scrambling to get kind of caught up and get my mind around um, what I have and and maybe you know implement some some quick wins to firm up my um, our, our our IT security, or at least identify some gaps, and then and then put together a roadmap. And so I'm kind of you know I'm kind of feeling a little bit of anxiety right now because it's just like I feel really exposed. And so I, you know, I want to, that's why I invited you guys to come into this, uh, to this conversation. And you, you know, you guys tell me where, what information can I share with you? And let's just, uh, kind of kick it back and forth. Assuming that we are under NDA already, right? Yes, we're (laughs) under NDA. Okay. Well, because this is the first step. (laughs) Okay. Because sensitive information could be shared between you and and, uh, and us, so this is yeah, this is this would be the first step to establish between you and, and you and us uh, a non-disclosure agreement, just to make sure that everything's going to stay between us. Okay. So assuming that we're under NDA. Okay. Yep. Yes, under NDA. So, next. I have one question. Sure. Uh, it deals with uh, personally identifiable information that you might or might not have. Do you have any feeling for how much PII you might have in your organization that needs to be protected and where it comes from? Well, that's a, that's an interesting question. Are, are you relating the PII or personally identifiable information? Is that related to the GDPR that you were talking about in terms of your role? Is, is that why, why you're asking that related. question? Okay, so here, here's here's what I know, and 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 then again, and then there's some things that I don't know. As I mentioned, we have a couple offices in Europe, um, and we have all of the HR data related to our employees. Okay, um, and I I would assume, I mean, you have to tell me, but I would assume that that some of that data falls under GDPR. Um, but I also know that we, you know, we have uh, client data. And then uh, there might be other data out there that um, that would fall under GDPR because I, I think that's what you're asking about. So so, I mean, is is that HR data? Is that relevant? And and what else should we be looking for? I think it probably would be relevant because they're EU residents. If they actually live in the EU. Okay. So they would be covered. Relation. Okay. Okay. So let's just start with that because I mean, then we can come back to later in terms of uh, you helping me understand what other data might fall under this. But for for the that PII that you mentioned of of our European employees, okay. So we identify that data. You know, what kind of steps would we have to take to move us closer towards compliance? What should, what should, what things should we be thinking about? how you protect the information, where the information is stored, uh, what types of controls you have on access to the information. There are a lot of requirements of GDPR that require you to have a really good idea of where the information is and how to delete it, say. If one of, if one of the people who has who's living in the EU says they want you to forget their information, you're required if, to forget that information. And, and a good start point, Paul, I think would be probably a some sort of data discovery where we can pretty much create an inventory 
of where that data might reside in your organization and which systems they are. So you can work through applying the appropriate controls and, and, and security measures uh, on that data. Would that be right? Yeah, locating it is definitely the first step. You have to do some kind of an assessment, figure out where it all is and make it an inventory of all the data. Mm-hmm. And that inventory, there is two aspects of that inventory. There is the aspect of identifying the data in itself. Right? But once you identify, I understand there are mechanisms in which you can use to auto-classify that data. So you actually classify uh, all of your data with either having sensitive or not having sensitive information. So we can then apply the right controls on the right data set. Would that be? Yes. So you're saying basically we have to to run some type of scan or we map out what data we have and then we classify that data and attach certain, I guess, labels to it that would enact some type of policy. Can, can you give me an example of what that would look like, like, you know, like in a real situation? And let's just focus on that HR data right now. What, what would it look like in terms of once we have done this, we've implemented something like this, what would the end result look like for us? Well, you provide, you have some type of defined tags, say in the US it would be social security number or in Europe, they must have some type of government identifying number that you would classify and then use that, any record that has that particular format in it would end up being classified as sensitive data for that country. Okay, and then if it's classified as sensitive, um, would that force our people to what, uh, what would it do? So you can set up basically a retention policy. So documents that contains this kind of information could be stored for five years and then be automatically deleted after this retention policy. You can also uh, specify who has access, I mean, define policy of, of, of who has access to uh, these documents. So, so you can restrict the access to this kind of document, which has have been autom- automatically discovered. This is the kind of thing that you could do um, with the, um, with the discovery tools or um, specific AIP tools, which is uh, uh, access identity protections uh, um, um, tools. Um, yeah, this, this is these are two really good examples, and this is what you should do with the. Uh, I mean, this this is what you should do with the GDPR. So first, you have to know where your data is located, and you have to know what. Contain content um, they, um, they they host basically, and who has access to it. And I think it's important to highlight that that labeling in, in protection controls. You want to do that on the file level, and make sure that you have the technology in place that allows those labels and controls to travel with the file. The, the modern organization most likely will produce the file in one uh, uh, in one environment and there is a good chance that that file will navigate through the different you know uh, devices uh, whether it's an iPhone whether it's a, an Android a, a tablet and you want to make sure that those controls and those labels are traveling through with the file and the appropriate uh, um, uh, application of those controls will take place whatever that file may be open. 
Okay, excellent. So, so what I'm hearing is the first thing I'm, I'm going to need to do is do some type of data discovery process, um, and maybe type, some type of assessment to understand you know, what we have, and then implement some policies. Okay, so that's, that's related to um, our data for EU residents. Okay, so I'm, I'm putting on my, my list here to, to kind of circle back with you at the end, because I'm, I'm, I'm assuming that you guys provide that type of service. Uh, some type of uh, data discovery uh, assessment or 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 scan, um, is that a correct assumption? Yes, that's that's right. Okay, so I'm going to put that on my uh, my to do list here, and I will kind of come back to that at the end here. Um, what other things that I sh- should I be looking at? I mean, one of the things I'm concerned about is I don't even know you know what hardware we have. I've got you know like I said, close to a thousand uh, colleagues. Um, I don't know, you know, I mean, some of these people are bringing their own devices. Um, I don't know what apps, you know, they're using company apps. I don't know. I don't understand that. What what should I be looking at? So, okay, so basically you want to do a hardware inventory of your network. So for this specific purpose, uh, you run an inventory scan using specific tools, here at AdaQuest, for example, we use Movir, which is a, um, a web-based, um, a web-based um, a tool, uh, which is uh, what we, you have to pay. It's a, a monthly subscription, but we, which will discover basically what server you have uh, on your network, what workstation you have on your network, and it's going to go deeper than that. It's going to investigate on what uh, specific software you have installed. Uh, on on the different um, different uh, hardware assets, so servers, whether they are physical machines or whether they are VMs, uh, so virtual machines, uh, and uh, the the discovery we will um, we'll, operating system and patch levels, so you know yep. which machines are in compliance and which ones are out of compliance. So yeah, it's going to go deeper. So at, at the software level. Uh, it's going to run um, inventory as well um, uh, on the um, the users um, knows um, it will discover, for example, if uh, uh, the password has been has not been reset for several I mean for users from a long time and is this this kind of uh, this kind of activity. So basically, you will run an inventory um, uh, network inventory uh, uh, to help you to discover what you have uh, as. Um, as uh, assets on your network. Wow, um, how intrusive is that, or how how difficult is it, and, and how much time does it take? Because I mean, I'm I'm pretty anxious about this. It's like I I really don't know what we have, right? So so tell me, I mean, what what's that process look like? So to be to be a little bit technical, so you would need a global admin access. So you would need access to the network. You need access. Uh, uh, I mean, admin access of, uh, to the servers, and usually it's not a problem. Because the the domain has a, a global admin, and you would need this. Uh, you would need the involvement of the top management, so which which would allow this to happen on your network. Because uh, uh, yeah, you would get some sensitive information out of this um, uh, this um, uh, assessment, basically this discovery. Uh, and you would need the involvement of your IT uh, administrator administration department as well. Uh, but from an intrusion point of view, it's not that in, in, intrusive. So basically, you will need to install a software on one of server, and the software, this agent will uh, scan the, the whole network for you. 
and everything which which, uh, which is going to be, be pulled uh, and pushed to a specific web service, um, which is run in our case by by Movier, and uh, it's going to be done automatically. Basically, you would just run and wait. And it's done securely. Everything yes, of course. around is encrypted. Okay, and how long does this process take? So uh, basically, you can get the first uh, a first overview of your network in minutes, but it's recommended to uh, to run this uh, this kind for uh, for a few days, weeks, uh, because uh, since the this kind's gonna go onto at the desktop level, so you want to make sure that all user users, for example, is gonna log at least once uh, on your on their desktop. So and uh, the better, yeah, the longer the better. So, but you would get some useful information in minutes, hours. Uh, Excellent. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, um, I guess I've got two things on my list now. I've got the uh, the data discovery scan f um, uh, for that European PII data that for for uh, that would fall under GPR. I've got the um, this this scan that you call you're you're using a tool called Movir um, to allow me to identify you know all, all the hardware that I, that's being used um, different applications that are being used etc. Um, okay, so that that's that's definitely two things that I want to come back to. Um, wh what about um, I mean you know uh, can I add can I add something on this uh, discovery tool I mean this topology network topology tool so. So since it's going to go deeper in the soft at the software level, so it's, it's going to also identify if you're uh, you're compliant with the, your software licensing. So, for example, if you have uh, uh, some server which are which uh, which are outdated, so this is first uh, a security issue because potentially uh, uh, these servers are weak to, from uh, external attacks, and second sec second off. Uh, uh, well, you may be out of uh, license uh, compliance, and maybe someone won't be happy <laughs> at one point, and we go after you. So this is also also uh, one um, good thing. I mean, one uh, positive uh, feature of this uh, network topology tool to. Uh, basically know where you are from a licensing point of view. Well, that's a good point. And I'd, I'd prefer to find out now than six months or a year from now, because I mean, right now it's kind of, I've, I've got a blank slate and I just want to, I want to yeah. be able to report to my boss, Hey, here, here's, here are the issues. And I need to be able to, you know, kind of document everything in a very clear, clear manner. Um, okay. So let's put that to the side. Cause I definitely will come back to that. Um, one thing that you, 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 uh, kind of, triggered in my mind was when you're doing this scan i mean we don't even have a patch policy i don't know um you know when we do patches i, I don't think there is a patch policy I've, I've asked the team what are your guys uh, what's your suggestions or ideas in terms of you know information sources for for um out of date uh equipment or versions of apps um or or uh uh, applications that need to be patched i mean how do i get you know what are some best practices around that You've got two things going here at the same time. You are talking about uh, vulnerability assessments to know what patch levels you need to be applying. Yes. Uh, that is certainly another operational aspect of something you would want to do. But in parallel to all of this, uh, you need to be developing a set of procedures. You need to First, canvas your organization to find out what policies and procedures already exist. Then 
you need to put together a plan of what are the minimum set of security policies. Now your patch level policy is one that you want to establish. If you do not get that established, um, you will be behind the eight ball trying to create patches every week, every month, every whenever, and you won't have uh, the organization bought into your overall practice of that. Um, when you talk about PII information, you need to have an acceptable use policy for data so that um, anybody who captures this information, whether it's in a database, an email, or a document, that they understand what it is and how to deal with it so you're not always trying to clean up last week's mess uh, and never getting ahead of the game. So policies are something to create as well as doing what we've already talked about are some of these initial operational aspects that you can do. And, and uh, that's, that's, and, and one, go ahead, I'm sorry. Yeah, sorry, and, and, and one thing I want to add on, on top of it, so you talked about applications, so you don't know what what is the, the patch level of your application, so maybe you want to first uh, put put in place a policy that um, that is a list of authorized application because maybe your users gonna use Word for uh, for uh, as a word editor, but maybe something else which will not be as protected as Word uh, or Microsoft uh, different uh, tools. So um, so you want to discover what app what apps applications are used in your organization. This is uh, the first step, then you may need to put in place policies to limit uh, the execution of uh, um, of uh, certain applications. Okay. Or just uh, just to avoid um, because they are known to be uh, weak for, uh, against uh, threats or vulnerabilities. So excellent. So um, let me ask you this. Do you guys, can you assist me um, both with putting together the appropriate policies and procedures? Um, I'm, I'm sure that you guys have some kind of templates or some type of, yeah, I mean, best practices around that. Can you help me with that? And then also, I mean, I, I have no idea how to keep my mind around or, or you know, to keep aware or abreast of what patches are available you know i mean I, I hear about these organizations that that um uh get get hacked um or have a you know an intrusion basically because they they failed to install a, a patch but they didn't know that the patch was out there so i can you guys help with that what what, what you know either either or or both of those one of the things that the mobile air scan does on your network is identifies which patch level each one of the machines has and any missing patches are flagged and you can get a report that shows you which patches need to be installed, which are the oldest patches that need to be installed, which machines are the most out, out of date. And that, that's a really useful report. Okay, excellent. And then in terms of setting up the policies and procedures, can you guys um, assist with that as well? Yes, of course. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, so let's go ahead. And, related to your infrastructure, how much of your IT infrastructure is on-premise versus in the cloud? Yeah, this is a big question. 
Yeah, right now we are about seventy-five uh, on percent on-prem and about twenty-five percent on the cloud. Um, we're using a, um, I would call it a tier two cloud service provider, just because I, from what I was told, they had the most affordable, you know, uh, package, hosting package. Um, I, I don't think we're married to them, uh, but you know, if there's and I should say that operationally, um, we're, we're looking at moving more to the cloud. But I, I got to ask you guys, I mean, I, I guess this could be a whole conversation in, in itself. But give me the quick rundowns of, you know, some advantages or disadvantages of moving everything to the cloud or at least most of it to the cloud. Any, any, any you know, quick wins or reasons that we should we should look at that? So, yes. So... Basically, if you have uh, your assets in the cloud, so you don't have to manage it. I mean, you don't have to manage the hardware. So uh, from a patch point of view as well, uh, the when you're in the cloud, so everything's going to be patched automatically without doing anything, basically. Other than you saying, yes, I want to patch it because, uh, well, uh, you may not want to uh, reboot your, your server once uh, every uh, every week. But uh, it's gonna uh, the, the the patch won't it's not supposed to be a problem. So you would have the latest version of the OS of the the patch whenever it it is available on the market. So this is one one really big thing, uh, big advantage to be on the cloud. The infrastructure basically you you're not responsible for the infrastructures yourself. Uh, you you put the responsibility or the accountability on your cloud provider. Which is which could be a, a, a really big thing. Basically, uh, uh, won't um, won't be done on your server, but on the server which is hosted by the cloud provider. So if you see where the difference is, so it's a pretty big difference. Um, basically, you can put the blame on your cloud provider uh, if you're a VM uh, or. A, your uh, your SQL server has been compromised due to uh, weakness uh, on their side. So, what about costs? I mean, you know, I mean, security. You're, basically, what you're saying is, I gain some advantages in terms of outsourcing a lot of the security work um, when I go with a cloud provider, right? I move everything to the cloud. Um, how about costs? Do you have any kind of yeah. gen general information? Yes, you could expect the cost to be lower as well. Uh, because you can save on human resources. So, so this is one point you can save also on hardware because you don't have the um, physical hardware on premise uh, as well. So, uh, but the, the, and you would pay exactly for what you would use. So in the on-premise world, basically you would, uh, you would uh, oversize your workload just to make sure that everything's going to fit and because you don't want to upgrade your uh, hardware every two months or six months so you would oversize so you would pay, pay a little bit more um, uh, to have more but on the cloud basically you would pay for what you use and not more just what you need so this is another big advantage to to be on the cloud and uh, this has an impact on the cost Excellent. Okay, guys, I, I, I don't want to take up too much of your time, so I just have a couple more questions. Um, one is, 
I, I've heard a lot about Office 365 and, um, and it, it, you know, if we move to the cloud, we'd probably, you know, move everything to Office 365 as well. But from a cybersecurity or a security uh, standpoint, um, am I going to have to buy some extra tools or is there, are, are there some tools bake, baked into Office 365 to help with security? Yes, of course. Uh... So I'm assuming that you don't have Office 365 right now? Uh, no, we're just using Exchange. Uh, okay, and regular, okay, and re regular, I mean, the regular Office uh, in 2013 or 2016? Uh, exactly, uh, yeah. Okay, okay, so if you move uh, to Office 365, so first, again, you would always have the, um, the latest version. It's uh, super easy to uh, uh, to reduce the number or increase the number of licenses for your for your tenant in Office 65, and um, it, it you will have access to lots of different security controls, uh, DLP so data loss protections, for example, on uh, um, well multi-factor authentication, for example, so which had. Uh, which is the big thing uh, uh, actually in the security world, um, which had um, a complementary, um, well, a security uh, uh, level uh, to access your um, um, Office 365 tools like Word, Excel, PowerPoint, uh, etc. And yeah, and on Office 365, you, you will get many, many uh, um, uh, different features that would allow you to increase your security level. Excellent. Okay, so um, sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, control and auditing. So it will provide control and auditing tools as well. Okay. Um, yeah, I, this has been really, really helpful. So um, I want to come back to you and talk about specific programs related to GDPR. Um, I want to come back to you and talk to you about uh, data protection. Um, the the uh, some type of scan to so I can know what type of hardware um, and and software that we currently have, uh, what patches need to be uh, looked at, and then and then I want to talk to you about this uh, cloud migration and off and also considering Office three sixty five. So I think we've got several areas there to follow up on. Um, any last questions or suggestions from your side on something that we haven't touched upon? Yeah, I think one important point to highlight is how security have changed in regards to the cloud only for the past five years. So today, when you think about it, five years ago, some organizations would make a decision of not going to the cloud, not moving their workloads to the cloud because of security. Today, five years later, many organizations are making a decision of moving to the cloud because of security. So security, where it was a concern five years ago, it's becoming uh, the, the, uh, a strong uh, reasoning why many organizations are actually moving to the, their workloads to the cloud. Leveraging the cloud, the, the big cloud providers' capability for securing your assets um, is one of the biggest points of cloud today. No one can possibly match the level of security investment and security that those big cloud providers are are, are putting around uh, securing the data that they host yeah well in yeah. our in our organization though I mean you, you know we're we're kind of traditional you know I mean um, and our executive team is is pretty senior 
Um, and I know that people feel in this organization, they just feel a lot more secure knowing that all of our important data is in our server room and on our servers. Right. Um, and I, I, you know, I mean, we've got the lock and key to that room, right? Nobody gets access to that except for people that we, you know, give access to it. Um, I, I, it might be a tough argument, uh, or it might be difficult to persuade them that it's going to be safer on the cloud. I mean, do you have any thoughts around that? Uh, entering the server room, uh, is not done physically nowadays. <laughs> you enter the server room like, uh, uh remotely. So by, uh, first, uh, breaching, breaching, uh, um, breaching a, a password from a random user and move laterally to get the admin the admin password and then uh, once you have the admin password there's no need for the key of the server room you're, you're in and you can do whatever you want so and um, the the cloud the cloud being in the cloud gives you the ability for more control uh, and um, and prevents you uh, basically to have uh, um, prevents you to have this uh, to take care of this kind of uh, threat and, and uh, yeah and attacks. Okay, well you know what I, I've I've got those four things on my list right now. Um, I de definitely want to schedule a follow up meeting and go deeper into each one of those. And then there's some other areas in terms of device management, app management. I mean, it's just it's really. Uh, I, I feel really challenged right now to get my mind around all this and then be able to um, kind of put together a roadmap. But this conversation has been very, very helpful. Um, I'd like to thank you guys for your time. And um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send a follow-up email with, uh, with additional questions. Is that all right with you? Sounds good. Okay, guys. Okay, everybody um, who was listening, this is Mark again. I'm jumping back out of character um, from the role play and into character as the host of this episode of Secure Talk. I'd like to thank you all for listening. Hopefully you found this interesting and helpful. These are just some of the kind of, it's an example of a conversation that we have with new clients um, in terms of understanding where they're at and where they want to go. Of course, the conversations are going to go on for a lot longer and they're going to go a lot deeper. But we just wanted to show you, uh, give you a kind of an overview of some things that maybe, maybe you should be thinking about and some ideas in terms of some potential issues that you might be facing. Um, in follow-up episodes, we might come back and do some more role plays. Uh, but for now, we're, just, we're not going to go too deep. Um, I'd like to thank uh, all the representatives from Adequest for, for your participation and I'd like to thank all the listeners for, for listening. Uh, again, this has been another episode of Secure Talk. Secure Talk is brought to you by Adequest, your cybersecurity and compliance partner. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day and stay safe. Hello. Welcome to Secure Talk, your trusted source of information on the latest threats, trends, tools, and technology related to cybersecurity and compliance. Join our hosts as they discuss a wide range of topics and speak with leading cybersecurity, technology, and compliance experts. Now is the time for Secure Talk.